You're listening to the Rosenfeld Review. Um, the Rosenfeld doing the reviewing. This is Lou. My guest today is Jess Norris, Atlassian's Design Enablement Coordinator. And I know that's a new role, Jess. Hey, welcome to the Rosenfeld Review. Thanks, Lou. Really great to be here. Yeah, um, I'm really interested in that title. Again, I know it's a new one. How long have you been at Atlassian? So I've only been at Atlassian for one and a half weeks. So um, this is my second week and I'm still finding out a lot more about my title. Um, it's quite a new term, um, but I'm working with the lovely Dominique Ward, who is also speaking at the Design Ops Summit. And I just talked to her um, just a few days ago. Lo- and has she spoken at a past edition of the summit? So we love her enough that we're having her back. And uh, if, uh, if you're a friend of Dominique's, you're welcome on the program, too. Uh, so, so, Jess, um, design enablement certainly sounds like, a, uh, it sounds like design ops, and I guess that shouldn't be surprising given that you're speaking at the Design Ops Summit, uh, which, by the way, everyone, is taking place September 8th and 9th. It'll be virtual. You're going to want to be there if you want to learn from people like Dominique and our guest today, Jess. But um, enablement, is that... Design enablement, is that the same as design ops or is it too soon to say? Well, it's part of design ops, um, but it's at, at Atlassian, it's one of our pillars when it comes to design ops. So enablement is really about programs focused around growth, development and community. Um, so something that we're, we're planning to look at first is really onboarding. So how do we set up our new starters that are designers um, for uh, success really by aligning them to to what our best practices are, the tool sets, and what what the expectation of quality and design quality really is. I'm really glad um, you you brought up onboarding because it gives me uh, 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 an opportunity to to pitch for pitches. By that I mean I, I everyone listening I've been like trying to find a book or an author for a book on on how to onboard oneself. Maybe that's kind of a uh, a, a, a pair of quest, but um, everyone, you know, not everyone works at Atlassian and they have a lot of challenges figuring out their new jobs. So if there's any guidance uh, to people who can onboard themselves, uh, get in touch with me if you have that book in you. But back to you, Jess, um, the, the, you're not talking about onboarding at the conference. You're talking about um, ADHD and how it's design up superpower. And I'm really glad to hear this because I'm the dad of, of two kids who've been diagnosed as ADHD. And I'm starting to wonder if it's maybe been one of my superpowers. I think it comes from my side of the family. Um, there's a lot of different perceptions about what ADHD is in terms of, is it, is it about hyperactivity? Is it about uh, executive function? Is it about something else? Can you level set for us ADHD and then let's jump into how it impacts design and design ops? Yeah, definitely. So um, going back to basics, I guess, ADHD, it stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Um, I've seen a lot in the past the terms ADD thrown around as different to ADHD. Um, So ADD being Attention Deficit Disorder, um, focusing around lack of attention um, or trouble regulating attention. And then ADHD being the hyperactive 
side of things. But I think it's now more commonplace to use ADHD as as the term and to not separate those because there's actually sort of three different types of ADHD. One, the first type being primarily um, hyperactive impulsive. Um, so that's the people that are sort of fidgeting and talking lots. Um, it might it's, it tends to be that the stigma around ADHD leans towards hyperactivity. Um, so mm-hmm. that's that's the first type. Um, the second type is predominantly inattentive. Um, so this is kind of where I sit more towards, um, but this is really about trouble regulating attention, um, distractibility, um, difficulty sort of processing information quickly. Um, and then there's a third type, which is a bit of a hybrid combined type. So um, this is where someone meets the criteria for both hyperactive, impulsive and inattentive type. Um, so you can kind of see how there's, um, I, I actually surprisingly found out too, I do have a little bit of hyperactivity, but verbal hyperactivity, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure sure you'll notice because I could talk someone's ear off. Um, so so that's kind of where I see it. Um, is, is there any correlation uh, with gender? I, I certainly heard that boys tend to be the, uh, have ADHD of the hyperactive type and, and girls more likely uh, the, the uh, inattentive uh, side of things. So I, I don't know if there is a real correlation, um, I guess, from a, from a biological point of view, but um, ADHD goes severely underdiagnosed in women. And it's because every single person with ADHD can present completely differently. Um, mm-hmm. Women also are very good at masking um, that they have ADHD. But what I found is that in in men, it can be more obvious, especially in children, that um, if someone's hyperactive. But for women, it's also can be seen as, oh, they're just being chatty um, or just, yeah, love talking to their friends and playing around with their friends, which, um, yeah, it's not as obvious. And apparently the, the majority of studies um, on ADHD have been done on cisgendered men. So um, that's why a lot of what we know about ADHD is really skewed towards men as well. Oh, it's the, the that whole um, bias. It's probably not just cisgendered men, but cisgendered men between ages of 18 and 22, <laughs> the college uh, students who volunteer for all the experiments. Well, you know, as far as in, in attention, um, is that is it really inattentivity or inattention, or is it just like that attention is managed by the person differently? They pay attention to different things than is ne- necessarily expected of them. Yeah, so uh, that's a good point because it's not really when people hear um, attention deficit, they they see it obviously as a deficit of attention, but. Um, it's really about difficulty regulating attention. So a really good analogy that I've heard is that most people, when it comes to attention, they've got a little dial that goes from zero to 10. Um, There might be some things that they switch to about a seven or a six um, on that dial. But with people with ADHD, um, often they have zero or a hundred or zero or 10. And instead of uh, being able to sort of regulate and move through those those scales they tend to just they can have zero attention on something or be a hundred percent invested in it um, which 
typically we refer to as hyper-focus. So Mm -hmm. um, that's something that I've definitely had a lot of. So there's been times where I'm sitting there working on a design or a process or a document and I look up and three hours have passed um, and the sun's gone down and it's just I've lost those three hours. Um, You can see how that can be a good thing in the right environment um, but can also be quite problematic too. Well, so, you know, I I don't know if there's... Uh, you know, a, a general understanding that sort of goes across the board for people with ADHD. But let's talk about your own experience. Um, when you are hyper-focused, what do you tend to hyper-focus on? Is, is it things that are a type of task or they are in your wheelhouse of interest or, or something else? I think for me, it's very detailed tasks at times, um, especially so... My background is in service design um, as well as a bit of product design. So um, working on journey maps, doing things where I'm, uh, for lack of a better word, pixel pushing, um, that's when I tend to be really, really focused. Um, So tasks that are really about problem solving um, and more more detailed where it's it's very clear what you have to do um, because I just want to sit down and get it done, really. So then let's take, take service design. Um, when, so it sounds like you're able to kind of dig deeply into journeys. Um, but do you have to, like, do you do the panning back to have the big picture of the journey or, you know, like a real kind of broad understanding of, uh, context, uh, broad understanding of the systems involved? Does that, is that something you're able to do, um, despite the fact that it may not be at that level of detail? Um, or do you pair with someone who is able to sort of see that bigger picture but may not be as strong at a detailed level? Yeah, definitely. I think everyone has their own strengths. And so it's it's very good, especially having ADHD, to work in a team because you really get to balance out those strengths and weaknesses. Um I do, I do think that I, I also can work at that high-level picture. It's just that I get more um, interested in the details. Um, but as well, too, is that I, I very well understand my ADHD. I've been lucky enough to go through to therapy for it. Um, so I know how to pull myself out of hyperfocus and how to have a really good sort of baseline and um, regulate my attention more so I can be attentive to the stuff that is more high level that might not interest me as much. Um, so I think that definitely helps, but it's always good to, to be working within a team where you do have different needs and different strengths to, to balance each other out. Well, we're going to dig into that a little bit more in terms of team composition, especially in the design context in just a moment. We're going to take a break. You're listening to the Rosenfeld Review. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you want more, not only do we have a whole bunch of podcasts in our archive, but we have something that's very current, very alive, and very engaging for groups. And that is our communities. Rosenfeld Media runs a variety of communities that meet on a monthly basis for video conferences on a variety of topics near and dear to UX people, ranging from enterprise experience to advancing research, to design and research operations. I want to encourage you to join one of our communities. Again, it is free. 
by going to rosenfeldmedia.com communities. Not only will you get a monthly video conference that you can listen in on and participate in, ask questions and so forth, we'll give you access to the recordings. And uh, for some of those communities, we're talking about dozens of recordings with really interesting presenters and facilitators. You'll also get a newsletter. You'll get access to an advice columnist. Yes, we actually are providing advice columnists for each community. And finally, if you're interested in our conferences, our communities correspond to our conferences. So you will be the first to know when programs, uh, when programs go live, uh, when tickets go on sale, and by the way, most of our conferences sell out, and other good things about our conferences, such as uh, when the scholarship applications open up. So go to rosenfeldmedia.com communities. You're going to find something that's free, something that's interesting, and it's a great opportunity to find your tribe as well. We'll see you there. Welcome back to the Rosenfeld Review. My guest is Jess Norris of Atlassian. And by the way, uh, if the sound quality isn't perfect, well, I'm uh, in New York on Tuesday. Jess, you're in, I guess, Sydney on Wednesday. And uh, sometimes uh, the internet is not perfect. And so Jess is talking to us by phone, but I think it sounds pretty good. Um, and, and thanks for bearing with us there, Jess. No, all good. So, you know, before we get into the the whole thing about uh, the, the, the sort of fit of someone with ADHD in the design team and, and how they can be a great piece with some complementary pieces, um, you know, I was just, I want to relate a story. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, um, my kids have both been diagnosed uh, with ADHD and with our oldest kid, we were really not aware of that condition very much. And we spent two years as she got older and into high school struggling with her. And, and it was very difficult. Um, and when someone's brain works differently and you don't understand why, it, it's hard for everyone involved. And uh, we finally had uh, her undergo a, a psych evaluation, and she was diagnosed as really off the charts ADHD. And all of a sudden, we understood in a way what was going on that we didn't. There was a name for it. There was uh, a diagnosis. There was treatment. She started taking some meds that really helped her. Uh, but overall, it just had a dramatically beneficial impact on our family life. And I, I wondered if there was a similar path for you, uh, whether it was a personal thing or a, a professional thing. How did you, when, when did you find out you had ADHD and, and uh, did it change the way um, you work? Yeah, definitely. I think my, my journey to finding out that I had ADHD was, was quite long. Um, I actually only really found out that I had it a bit over a year ago, so wow. a year and a half ago. Um, yeah, I had previous diagnoses um, of depression and anxiety, and it's so, so common um, in women to not not get a diagnosis um, until adulthood as well. Um, and yeah, it definitely it definitely changed my the way that I think about myself and helped me to really understand what my real strengths and weaknesses are. Um, I did have 
I know that there's a lot of skepticism around ADHD and there's a bit of a stigma. And I had someone that um, that I know say to me, oh, I don't know why you're, why you're talking about ADHD. It's just putting a label on your problems. And I think that's partially true. It is, it is giving a label. Um, yeah, what's wrong with yourself, that? But that la- exactly. And that, that label can help you really, if that helps you understand more about yourself and can help you really take control of your brain, if you will, um, I think why not? Why not add a label if it helps? Yeah, I love the way you put it, take control of your brain. And that's, that's you know, I, I, all I can say is, you know, I, if you're listening and you're not sure whether it's about yourself or your child or someone else that, that's important to you, um, please consider um, getting tested and, and exploring it because it can really make a big difference. Uh, and both, uh, I think both you and I, Jess, will, will test to that. Um, but let's talk about the, the design team setting. And, and we were getting into how you, uh, at least in your own experience, have found that um, you've been able to work with teammates in a way that plays well to your ADHD. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, as part of uh, my talk as well, I was talking to lots of different people um, in my team and in my organization. Um, And the more that I opened up and spoke about my own experience with ADHD, the more I found that a lot of designers and a lot of people in design ops too have ADHD or a neurodivergent in some way. Um, So be that autistic or dyslexic as well. Some people can be a combination of all those things as well. Um, So for me, it was really clear to see, hey, actually, um, design and design ops is an industry where people with ADHD can can thrive. And that whole idea of neurodivergence actually means that we're offering a unique perspective um, into design and into the world. Well, talk a little bit more about that. What is that unique perspective? How does it play out? Is it a, a, a kind of unique perspective that's common with people with ADHD that plays out in a certain consistent way in a design op setting or is it not so much to a pattern? I think that what what I've learned um, is that every single person is different and has different needs too. So um, I know that we often will refer sometimes to ADHD as a disability um, and I, whether or not that's correct, I, I can't. I can't really speak on that. But I think that um, when it comes to uh, working in a team and understanding the team's strengths and weaknesses, um, it really differs depending on the person. And I think that um, whether you're neurodivergent or not, everyone brings a different perspective. Obviously, so um, I think one of the biggest things about um, the perspectives of people who are neurodivergent is there's always going to be that that empathy there because anyone who's ever been considered different um, or divergent from from the norm um, tends to really understand what it's like to to think and act differently. So are able to really empathise um, with with people who have diverse needs and diverse skills. Well, and that makes perfect sense that that empathy really plays out well for let's say building an organization or a team where you want to have different people on that team who can work together and and empathize with each other. I I imagine 
It helps you have empathy with yourself as someone who has a new role that may not be understood or well-recognized and not always, uh, you know, respected in the way it should be. And so you may, you may get um, pushback that, that makes it easy to question yourself. So that, that's where that self-empathy can, can really come in uh, to play. So if, if empathy is one of the kind of critical superpowers that ADHD folks have, what, what else is a superpower when it comes to design ops? At least from your own perspective, what, like what do you bring? Yeah, I think for me, um, and I know I mentioned it earlier, but hyper focus under pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of times working in design ops where you need to quickly solve a problem or you need to quickly find something for someone, let's say. Um, and when when you're under that immense amount of pressure, um, people with ADHD tend to be able to go into hyper-focus mode. Um, I, I find that um, if someone sends me a message that says that something is urgent, I will drop everything um, and put all my brain power into doing that urgent task. And I think that, Yes, that, that's definitely a strength and a superpower, um, but if you harness it in the right way. Um, and that, that's what I really want to um, mention in my talk as well will be about how can you actually harness um, the superpower that is ADHD and all the characteristics that come along with them. Well, let's talk a little bit about that one because I can imagine that hyperfocus is really valuable. On the other hand, it seems like, you know, people in this role get, you know, 10 emails a day where the first word in the subject line is urgent and does prioritization, uh, does ADHD for you help you with prioritization so you can figure out which of those urgent tasks truly are the most urgent? I wouldn't say that ADHD helps you with prioritization. I think Going to therapy as a result of ADHD has helped because I think that anyone and anyone who has been to, to therapy um, for long periods of time or in, in some, some kind of way would really understand that you're learning skills and strategies to really be better, um, whether that is at work or just in life. And so I remember in therapy so many times working on procrastination, um, which which means that I'm often considered over-organized by people. I love writing to-do lists and um, actually sort of scoping um, how big of a priority something is and how long it's going to take me. Um, And that's just something that I've learned to do to function um, and to really take control of my brain because that's what I need to do. So um, I think that anyone who has spent time working on themselves um, would would be able to prioritize better, I would hope. Um, and so I don't think it's necessarily my ADHD that helps me to prioritize, but um, the way that I've learned about my ADHD has. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, are, as far as the superpowers go, and I know this is, again, the subject of your, your talk at the Design Ops Summit, uh, you've mentioned empathy, you mentioned hyper-focus, uh, anything else that you think is is really, um, you know, one of the things that uh, ADHD people bring to design ops or could bring to it? I think one of the biggest things that I've found is 
So people with ADHD, um, it's very commonly associated with a lack of dopamine, um, which is all about the sort of pleasure and, and reward um, center of your brain. And so um, one really great way to get a hit of dopamine is to complete a task. Um, so I think that when it comes to, to tasks, and, and you can leverage the hyper-focus in this, but regardless of, of that, um, we're really, really driven to actually get it done um, so that we can get that dopamine hit. So I, if someone, if someone gives me a task, um, especially if it's small and it's something that I can do very quickly, chances are I'm going to do it straight away. I'm not going to wait around um, because I really want that dopamine hit um, and I really want to feel, feel a sense of accomplishment. So I think that we're very, very driven to actually complete something. Well, okay, so this gets me to uh, kind of where I want to bring us, which is I have really two questions for you to mull over. Um, if someone is managing a designer or specifically a design ops person with ADHD, what should they know? What would you like them to keep in mind? Uh, with the caveat, of course, that everyone is different with ADHD. Um, and if they are a teammate of a designer with ADHD, would it be, would your, your advice be any different than for a manager? I think um, something that I've, I've really learned is that the things that help people with ADHD can actually help everyone in the team. Um, and I think that we always talk about the needs of the one and the needs of the many, but a lot of the time, if you adjust the needs of the one, um, it can address the needs of the many. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that one of the biggest things that I've found has helped me is um, really giving time frames to things to remove that ambiguity. Um, so I mentioned before that if someone labels something as urgent, I, my brain goes into fight mode um, and wants to do it straight away. But if someone say said to me, oh, this is due by the end of the day, that's a lot clearer for me and allows me to prioritize it within the scheme of everything else. So definitely giving clear timeframes. Um, and we know that there's always ambiguity in design ops. So you're not going to have a specific detailed mm -hmm. time frame or timeline all the time, but giving a rough guide can really help as opposed to just labeling something as ASAP. Excellent. Uh, any other advice for managers or fellow designers? I think the best way to help um, help those with ADHD to, to use that hyper-focus is trying to really align the work that we're doing to our interests. So um, I had some really good advice from someone um, that I worked with during my time at Fjord who said that in any project that they do, um, they always try to find something that is interesting about it. Even if it's not the topic area itself, um, it could be learning a new tool or getting to use a method or framework that they've always wanted to use. Um, so how can you really understand what, what your teammate and what your um, direct report, if you will, is interested in and try to align the work in the organisation to that? And you're not always going to be able to so we're not always going to be able to work on things that we're really interested in, but how can you find some aspect of that that can keep us interested? You know, you're, what you just said is so fascinating. And it's like, 
What I hear you talking about makes me think of in, in you know in the design world we we've talked about mobile first and and some people have talked about things like accessible accessibility first. It's almost like in the design management world, it should be ADHD first. <laughs> you know, you, you know, the ADHD person on your team. If if you can make it work for them, hopefully you can make it work for everyone. I, yeah, I think it's it's similar to the to the idea of um, leading leading from the back as well. So. So really, really pushing and thinking about um, in your team, like who's struggling and trying to build them up first. Um, and I think that you can see how time, like time frames um, and aligning work to interests isn't, isn't a crazy idea um, and it could help anyone, not just people with ADHD. Amen. Well, Jess, we got to wrap up, but I do have one last question for you. As in, in Rosenfeld Review tradition, I'd like to know what gift you've brought for our listeners. Uh, a, a book, a person, a community, a podcast, you name it. What do you got for us? Yeah, so um, something that I found really helpful um, is, so Jessica McCabe um, has a channel called How to ADHD, um, and it really includes a lot of videos for people with ADHD, um, as well as for people that are working with those with ADHD. Um, and if you do get the time too, she did a fantastic TED talk a few years ago um, that I'll also share with you all. Um, so definitely give that a watch. Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, we'll make sure the links are in the transcript uh, and on the uh, podcast page. And I'll, I'm going to make sure my kids see both of those links as well. And Jess, this is fantastic. I'm, I really appreciate uh, talking with us today um, about your, your experience and uh, looking forward to your talk on this whole subject at uh, the Design Ops Summit. Reminder to all of you, September 8th through 9th, virtual. It's going to have all the great bells and whistles of a Rosenfeld Media virtual event, including excellent speakers like Jess. Jess, thank you so much. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm really excited for the summit too. Thanks. And, and good luck in that new job uh, at Atlassian. We'll see you in September. Thanks for listening to the Rosenfeld Review brought to you by Rosenfeld Media. If you like our show, please subscribe and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. I'd love it if you tell a friend to have a listen and check out our website for over 100 podcasts with other interesting people. You'll find them all at rosenfeldreview.com.